After an incredible year for U.S. equities in 2023, despite the volatile macro conditions, what should investors expect heading into 2024? What are the dynamics behind equity valuations in the public markets? Is there still money to be made? Welcome to another episode of Lashifra's Inside the Street. We're super excited to announce our recent partnership with Bigwig Podcasts, being the newest show on their network, so definitely check out their website. Today's Monday, January 29th, and we're your co-hosts, Robert Nahigian and Mickey Finnell. Today we are joined by a very special guest, Dr. Shi Liu, a CFA charter holder who has award-winning research covering sell-side analysts, asset management, and equity investments. Dr. Liu, thank you for being here today. Thanks, Guy. So I wanted to just start with an overview of the global markets. Dr. Liu, how would you describe where we are right now in the economic cycle? Sure, absolutely. So for 2024, I think the U.S. market presents a complex picture. So we are looking at a slowdown in the economy, not quite a downturn, but more of a soft landing. People will probably spend less and the government might cut back on spending too. The median of 2024 real GDP forecast among institutions is 1.3%, much lower than the 2.4% from last year. And it's forecasted to pick up its speed again in 2025. Consumer spending is expected to slow down, influenced by factors like reduced savings and a stable wage increase. Labor market might see a slight increase in unemployment, but it's still going to be relatively low. The unemployment rate was 3.6% in 2023, and it was forecasted to be 4.2% this year and 4.3% in 2025. The Fed's rate hikes are likely to pause, keeping rates around 5.5% for a while. Inflation should cool down, but it might still be above Fed's 2% target. PCE year-over-year growth rate is forecast to drop from current 3.8% to 2.4% in 2024, and further down to 2.1% in 2025. The housing sector, impacted by high mortgage rates, might see some improvement as rates start to decline. Investors are also looking at continued pressure on commercial real estate due to the higher interest rate. With these factors in play, the U.S. economy is essentially in a phase of slowing growth with a mix of challenges and recovery from the pandemic. Yes, you had mentioned the PCE expected to drop and possibly rates starting to come down. With all eyes seeming to draw to the Fed, would you argue that there is a large 2024 transition in interest rates already priced in? I know in our past conversations you have said that you think these cuts will come later than expected and the most recent CPI print certainly complicates things for the Fed. Well, if you take a look at Fed officials meeting and long-term GDP and inflation forecasts for post-2023, as given in the December FOMC meeting, the most crucial aspect here is the relationship between the real GDP, PCE inflation, and the Fed funds rate. Even the Fed considers long-term real GDP in the U.S. to be around 1.8%, and the ideal inflation rate is 2%, the long-term nominal GDP should be below 4%, and the 10-year Treasury yield needs to be below nominal GDP growth rate to keep the economy growing robustly in the long term. 
based on the projections made by the Fed members, we can roughly outline the macroeconomic theme for 2024. The economy will slow down significantly, but maintain moderate growth. Nominal GDP forecast will be 3.8%. The Fed fund rate will drop to 4.6%, maintaining a considerable restrictive stance. It looks like markets expecting the Fed to cut rates more than they have said they will, like five or six cuts instead of just three. However, there is a complexity here, especially with persistent service sector inflation. The recent ADP and non-farm payrolls reports showed strong employment growth, yet the CPI data was higher than expected, indicating persistent inflationary pressure. Additionally, the ISM services sector employment index dropped as another layer of complexity. All these mixed signals are making it really tough to guess where interest rates and the market are headed in 2024. The market seems to be betting on a soft landing, but with everything going on both here and around the world, there is still a lot of room for surprises. The market is always one step ahead. Trying to guess what's coming next, this makes things pretty unpredictable for most people trying to figure out what's going to happen next. Our analysts also believe that the market has been overly optimistic on rate cuts and even a potential soft landing. As Dr. Lewin mentioned, we see less cuts than the market is expecting. This is largely due to the last CPI number, possible inflationary pressures from geopolitical tensions on the oil front, and the resilience of the consumer. However, the last CPI print didn't shake markets as the S&P 500 hit record highs this week, with Microsoft's markets cap crossing $3 trillion and the likes of other major companies extending their gains. Yes, and, and generally speaking, looking at the picture equities have painted since 2022, we saw an incredibly bearish sentiment coming out of 2022 into 2023. You had CEOs and economists debating on the timing of a recession within 23. Um, but we saw equities in 2023 finish up around 25% for the year. So, Dr. Liu, I wanted to ask you if you believe that this gain is justified. And if not, what are some reasons as to why the positive forces outweighed the negative forces last year, despite all the volatility? The SP 500 impressive gain in 2023 was quite surprising, given the overall economic context. Initially, there were significant concerns about economic growth and fears of stagflation. However, the year turned around with declining inflation and accelerated GDP growth. This positive shift was driven by major fiscal stimulus, robust consumer spending, and a strong labor market. Additionally, factors like advancements in AI, excitement in the crypto market, and expectations of Fed rate cuts contributed to this optimism. Despite facing the largest interest rate increase in decades, global conflicts, an energy crisis, and financial challenges. The equity market still performed extraordinarily well. About two-thirds of last year's gain occurred in the last two months. I suspect that much of the market's potential upside for 2024 might have been pulled forward during that period. Additionally, there is a concern that the market may be too optimistic about the Fed rate cuts next year. High investor expectations 
create a narrow margin for Apple. As we approach earnings season, there is a risk that Manus projections for corporate earnings in 2024 might be too optimistic. Factors like rising yields, tightening credit conditions, and a challenging macroeconomic environment could lead to setbacks in the near term. I agree with you on that. The gains made last year were obviously driven by the MAG7 group. They dominated the markets and propped up major indexes and are now sitting at high valuations, which will either be rewarded or punished come earnings. Do you think that the Magnificent Seven Group will continue their dominance into the new year, or is their value to be found elsewhere? It's definitely interesting. In 2023, the SP500 did remarkably well, but if you look at the equally weighted index, it's a different start. Currently, equity concentration in the SP500 is at levels not seen since the 70s. The Magnificent Seven Group makes up about 30% of the SP500 total market cap, really skewing the overall market return. Those seven companies recounted for about half of the index return last year. However, this year might be different as we are going into 2024, the outlook is quite different from last year. The current market sentiment reflects the expectation of a soft landing for the economy, with many anticipating that the Fed will start a serious interest rate cuts starting in March. Many of the magnificent seven stocks appear fairly valued or slightly overvalued. If high interest rates cause an economic slowdown, we might see a shift, with growth stocks losing steam and value stocks become more attractive due to their low valuation. And emerging markets, especially after potential Fed rate cuts, could offer some interesting opportunities too. So I would say keep an eye out for opportunities beyond the magnitude step. Interesting. And, and going off that point, of course, the MAG7 is primarily made up of tech. You talked on the defensive side a little earlier. Do you see a particular sector outperforming in 2024? For this year, my game plan is to take a more defensive approach when it comes to asset allocation. I'm seeing some good opportunities in areas like consumer staples, utilities, and healthcare. Uh, precious metals, particularly gold and silver, are also looking promising. But of course, there is always a bit of question mark there. You know, the, the higher the potential returns, really the bigger the risks, and nothing is for sure. Gold tends to do well when the dollar weakens and the interest rates drop, with the Fed likely to cut rates and real yields going down. We could see gold prices hitting new high, and silver might just tag along. Plus, in times of global tension or during major elections, gold is viewed as a safe haven asset for investors. And don't forget, when central banks start buying up gold. Its price usually gets a really nice boost. If we are heading into a recession, gold could be even more attractive. So many of the headwinds for equity could be tailwinds for gold. You touched on it a little bit, but you see a very strong year for equity markets last year, despite the global uncertainty. And we also hear economists talking about growth remaining positive for 2024. Do you think there is still money to be made in equities? Well. History shows that after a big year for the SP 500, the following year typically sees a lower average return, kind of like a mean reverse. 
Additionally, the yield curve inverted started in mid-2022 points to a potential recession risk in the first half of 2024. Now, about stocks, I think they are pretty expensive at the moment. With all the global uncertainties and geopolitical risks going on, it's kind of surprising that volatility remains at historically low level. I expect volatility will go higher this year. The SP 500 forward PE multiple has gone up from 17 times to about 20 times last year. And with the 10 year treasury yield at around 4%, we're only looking at about 1% equity risk premium. That's why I'm thinking it might be a good idea to play it safe. Maybe tilt more toward bonds and keep some cash handy. Just for stocks, I'm thinking of focusing on defensive value stocks, anticipating a shift away from cyclical sectors later this year. Yeah, we're in an interesting spot where these high valuations could be justified as we had mentioned earlier with earnings, or they could be punished with investors shifting to the defense. A couple comments on the defensive sectors. There's obviously utilities, mission critical services, industrials, but what is really interesting is the infrastructure space. With all the lessons learned from the ripple effects of the pandemic, businesses are at a transition point of optimizing supply chains, re-engineering global strategy, and adapting to the effects of conflict and globalization. Take reshoring, for example. There is now this need for industrial property in Mexico and the southern states. The demand is still driven by supply and demand, U.S. policies that encourage domestic manufacturing, among other factors. You also have more familiar infrastructure projects, such as transportation construction on highways and bridges, which will also be needed for an increase in regional trade due to reshoring and is also supported by policies like the Infrastructure and Jobs Act. In terms of valuations and what is attractive for investors, these companies are easier to value with the contractual nature of these infrastructure projects. So this space could really shape into an attractive investment, not only for 2024, but the next few years or even decade. Absolutely. A defensive approach will certainly serve investors well this coming year. But when it comes to defensive areas outside of the areas you mentioned, Mickey, there are a few sectors that are often overlooked. The biggest one our analysts find attractive this year is cybersecurity. Now, despite the fact that cybersecurity is essential in nature for all major enterprises amid digital transformation, we saw cybersecurity spending remain resilient despite falling IT budgets last year. And there are numerous factors that continue to hint at value creation for this sector. Of course, AI, making cyber attacks more sophisticated and advanced, difficult to detect, calling for more advanced measures, sort of this push to zero-trust cybersecurity architecture, but also geopolitical risk. As geotensions are likely going to continue escalating, companies all across the globe are going to be prompted to increase the security around their networks and systems. And going off this point, Dr. Liu, I wanted to ask you, we have tons of escalating risks creating broader uncertainty in the U.S. markets. We mentioned geopolitical risks. You had a record year for global elections. What do you believe investors should be doing to hedge all of these risks? The stock market is often said to climb a wall of worry. And that's especially true right now. With all this uncertainty, I believe diversification is the key. Spread investments across different types of assets so you are not putting all your eggs in one basket. I also recommend focusing on quality. 
companies that are financially solid and consistently do well. Also consider putting some money into defensive sectors like utilities and healthcare, which usually hold up better when the economy is not so hot. It's also important to think long-term and not get caught up in the ups and downs of the market. Keeping up with what's going on in the world is also important for making informed investment decisions. Right. So you had mentioned focusing long-term, not getting caught up in market swings. There's something to be said when it comes to analyst recommendations, especially when a stock has some trading momentum around it. Do you think the short-term recommendations are worthwhile, or do you see more value to investors somewhere else in terms of horizons? I know you have a paper on the subject, and it would be awesome if you could share some insights from this paper. Absolutely. Our paper on short-term trade ideas is one of my favorites. It explores how those trade ideas, over looking just a few months ahead, differ from typical year-long investment recommendations. They focus on immediate market forecasts or spotting short-term mispricing, offering a unique perspective. What's really interesting is that those short-term trade ideas can sometimes go against an analyst's long-term view. For example, an analyst might recommend selling a stock in the short term due to upcoming earnings or recent price movements, while still maintaining a long-term buy recommendation based on broader investment business. We notice that those short-term trade ideas are not recorded in academic databases, so we created a new comprehensive sample by parsing analyst reports. Our goal was to answer the question, are analyst short-term trade ideas valuable, which is also the title of our paper. We found that the announcement of those trading ideas correlates with significant stock price movements, similar to changes in stock recommendations. So the main takeaway is short-term trade ideas have investment value and investors do trade on them. But those opportunities often disappear quickly as the investors exploit them, with sell-side analysts playing a crucial role in market efficiency. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Liu. It's always a pleasure to have you. Sounds good. Thanks. So it sounds like equities are certainly expensive now relative to other asset classes, but not so expensive to the point where there's no room for growth in 2024. Our analysts are pointing to high single-digit returns for the S&P this year, so still moderate growth compared to that 25% last year, but it appears not nearly enough to overweight equities. With that, be sure to keep an eye out for our discussion in early February where we sit down with an analyst at Goldman Sachs Emerging Digital Assets Group and hear some unique perspectives around the initiatives within blockchain technology and cryptocurrency. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Inside the Street. If you enjoy the show, we hope you follow on your platform of choice and tune in next week for another episode. Thanks a lot. This material is published solely for informational purposes and may not be copied or recreated in any way. This podcast is not an offer to buy or sell any investment product and takes no liability for being incorrect about events that may occur within the markets. Remember that the financial markets are subject to change and past performance is not an indicator of future results. It is important to conduct your own research and carefully evaluate any financial decision prior to acting on it.